Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis, brought to you by Nova Entertainment. In this episode, I chat with Gary Pearl. Gary is an executive producer of the Golden Globe winning show, Jane the Virgin on the CW. He's also got a feature in post and is about to direct another film, Michigan, in the coming weeks. Aside from his vast and varied experience as an agent over 15 years, and a rather funny tidbit about where he started out, Gary also has substantial experience in film financing, producing, and development. Make sure you listen in past the 16-minute mark for an articulate and inspired piece of advice that would challenge anyone, creative or otherwise, to stop and take stock, as well as to hear about a pragmatic view of the latter that is the entertainment industry and some fascinating behind-the-scenes stories about development and, quote, making the right phone calls. What do you think, feel, need, and want? I think it's an interesting time in the world and in creating content. What do I feel? A little bit anxious, but excited for where things are headed for everyone. What was the third one? Uh, I need and then I want. What do I need? I don't really need anything. I feel very fortunate, but there's always things I could want. Um, Mostly, I would love to create more content, film, TV, and I'd like like to see my films in actual theaters. And I like to see my television everywhere. Okay, great. Okay, so to what do you attribute that desire to be influential and to be prolific in content creation? Why do you want to see your content everywhere? I feel really fortunate to be amongst a small group of people that gets to create things that are visual and subject matter that can entertain as well as inform. And... I feel like, you know, 99% of the world would love to be in that position. And given that I am, at least for the moment, and I get to tell stories, I think it's also a responsibility to tell stories that are balanced. And because my content tends to get seen, I'd like to sort of know that when I do that, that it's getting either a controversial response or a response that's something more than just trite. You want to stimulate conversation, educate people make people, I guess. Yeah. In a very commercial way, all of my films and TV shows, I've really only done to entertain people, but messaging and, you know, currency has always come in, has always come into that. I'm very proud of that. When you started out in the industry, did you have that understanding that that's what your purpose was or did you arrive at that? I started off working on the Miss Universe pageant, so I wasn't really thinking the same, that this is where it was going to go. Um, I, as I started to really read, you know, thousands of scripts and, meet writers and directors and actors and as in your career as an agent in my career as a well I started as a production assistant okay um, I worked for the head of MC productions I mean everyone that I worked for has gone on to run major companies in Hollywood okay um, but as a result of that I, I as I started to read material and sort of see what was out there I gravitate towards things that are very commercial but at the same time projects that want to tell something about humanity or tell something about current politics and it just sort of seeps its way in and I'm actually proud of the fact that we that most everything I've done has done that in a non-controversial way it it informs and changes opinion much like the show has become a cultural force sure definitely were you did you have this understanding and these motivations when you were a college student were you like a political activist on campus or was it something that you think just has evolved when you came into the industry and maybe I can imagine developed an awareness that there's people in the industry that are are there for certain reasons. And then there's people like you that want to make it better. 
Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, I was involved in student government in high school. I played tournament tennis. I play. I, I skied for for my UCLA ski team. So I wasn't thinking those terms then. But then, at the same time, I helped rewrite the educational system for the at the time nine college campuses of the UC campuses. So I've always been interested in that. Mm-hmm. When I got out in the world. Um, you know, one of my biggest successes is 10.5, which is a big earthquake miniseries, mm-hmm. which is based on a nightmare I had as a child. I wrote it up when I was in college as a story, and everyone said it was too expensive to do. You know, and cut to, what, 15 years later, I actually made the, made the movie, and it, it still rates, you know, amongst the highest ever on television, with 40 wow. million people watching over two nights. Wow. Um, that movie is just a popcorn movie about earthquakes, but Lucy Jones, who's the top seismologist in the world, and I got into a huge fight about whether it could happen, and she insisted it could not. But the science behind it, the movie that was popcorn, yeah. is actually the, is actually what happened in Japan. So what she was saying is it couldn't happen on the West Coast. It's always kind of annoyed me that we got into a fight on the radio, and I think in the New York Times, that it couldn't happen. And what she was really saying is not here, but it did happen there. I, I feel that she really had a responsibility to inform mm-hmm. Um and that my movie is now, my nephew told me they teach it in the, you know, in the Santa Monica school system. Wow. That's very cool. But it's just a popcorn movie. Yeah. With, that, that gets it right. So I think yeah. we have a responsibility to at least get the science Definitely. right, no matter what we're doing. Yeah. People can underestimate, obviously, movies are there to entertain, but some people, I read a blog post by a director that she said that whenever you're on set and there's a difficulty, some people say, look, we're not saving lives. Um, but sometimes content, for the most part, it does have the power to change people, even unconsciously. Jane the, Vir- Jane the Virgin certainly changed, you know, a societal look at generations and mm-hmm. obviously the Latino community. But the exa- I'll go back to 10.5, the example being that most people will see that movie and learn about earthquakes and whatever happens in there, regardless of, you know, the little stories going on, we're teaching survival techniques. On Jane the Virgin, we're teaching... We, I think we're very proud of the fact that, that you know, we're teaching for in, in the first year of the show, second year mm-hmm. of the show, we're teaching young mothers, many of whom aren't ready to have children, basics about raising an infant. Yeah. Very cool. Um, your career is obviously diversified. You've had different roles. I've developed the understanding that once you leave the industry, it can be really difficult to make your way back into it. Um, I can imagine you get this question a lot. Um, so forgive me if it's repetitive or if you're sick of answering it, but how do you think you were able to manage to leave the industry after having a successful career as an agent and then coming back into it? And then why did you come back into it? I think I left, I love this business. I love creating career. I love being an agent. I love creating careers. I love putting movies and TV shows together. Um, I got burnt out on the narcissism, most of which came from whether it was executives, but it was a lot of talent. Mm. Um, I quit during one of the strikes because none of my clients would write new projects so they'd be ready for when the strike ended. Mm-hmm. And then when the strike ended, they felt like I should get them a job, but what they didn't understand is... They, they hadn't been doing anything. Well, they shouldn't have written for this. They weren't supposed to write for the studios, but they could write spec scripts. Okay. And the reality is you, everyone in this business is an entrepreneur. I don't care if you're a studio sure. executive or yep. an agent or writer, director, actor or musician. Yeah. And you need to take care of your own career. Um, that kind of burnt me out. And so I went and did something totally different for a couple of years. And then I got dragged in. I have an economics and psychology degree. So the two from top, UCLA. From UCLA. The yeah. two top 
which is one of the top schools in the country. Um, but then, of course, I, I have a writing. I, I did the writing program. I did a lot of stuff okay. just because I like learning. Yeah. But I went back into the business because the two top economists in the entertainment business for like 40 years approached me about of running a film fund that they had created based around a different formula to value films. I found that intellectually interesting. Mm -hmm. And then I thought it would take me two years, but we proved it, you know, on a, uh, we proved it in like, I don't know, six months. Mm -hmm. And then I got bored again. Okay. But by then I had met some other people on wall street and they put me together with the library. The library had, Still, I still work with it. It has 30,000 30, hours of television and 300 titles. And that's where the, you know, the TV shows are coming out of. Well, not all of them, but that's where Jane the Virgin came out of. Right. So that put me right back in the middle. I just wanted a show on there. I didn't expect a hit like this. Okay. So now I'm back in the business. And as I like to say to people, all of a sudden with the awards and everything else, um, I think it started with the Golden Globes, actually, or the Peabody or the, you know, the AFI. Whatever it was, I started noticing when I walked into rooms everyone paid attention to every word I said, which, so I just jokingly say somehow, you know, a few years ago I got, I got, you know, thinner, smarter and better looking really quickly. Um, and then why wouldn't you want to enjoy things? I'm directing a movie. I've got a movie yeah. in post. I mean, it's, it's, it's just way fun. Yeah. And you're living an entrepreneur's life. I'm a cautionary tale that worked out. Okay. <laughs> right. So when you say cautionary tale, had you been told earlier in your career that you shouldn't have gone into this business? My dad was a doctor. Um, he treated a lot of like, again, I like to say that he treated the Partridge family and the Brady Bunch. Okay. Because he did. And literally, literally. Yeah. Right. And, and my, those are my college mates, you know, or my, okay. high, my, my, I'm sorry, my, my elementary school and junior high school mates. Wow. Um, and I mean, you know, like even from friends and from like a lot of people from where we grew up. Okay. I mean, you had to live somewhere. So the parents would live in, in, you know, Tarzana and Sino Woodland Hills in the San Fernando Valley. So, um, we were around it all the time and my parents did everything to keep me out of it. I did the modeling and acting when I was younger, but it just, I just enjoyed it. But I like being behind the scenes. It's a great business, but like any business, it's not what you see at the awards is the after effect. I mean, mm -hmm. Julie Roberts, works really hard on set, you know, um, Jennifer Aniston, uh, Tom Cruise, everyone works really hard in this business. Mm. And what most people see is the fun part. Mm. Um, but yeah, but it's and an assumption that some actors are lazy, but the successful ones, no successful actors. No one is lazy. Yeah. It's a very aggressive, but interesting business. And, and, you know, it's cautionary because most people don't make it. Five percent of the people make it somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a place for everyone. It's 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 it, every movie and every TV show is a little city. There's every every. If I took a set, I could build a community mm -hmm. from the people working there. True. When you said that five percent make it somewhere, um, or that there's a place for everyone, um, what do you mean by that? That people will find their place eventually, assuming that they work hard and, and stay, stay in the game or just keep better in their craft? You know, around the, the recession, a lot of people, the, the business probably dropped by at least 25, 30%. I think there's statistics wow. for that. Um, you know, every time there's a strike, it costs Los Angeles, mm -hmm. you know, in the billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, we get to do something most people can only dream about, can mm -hmm. only dream about. That's why they call it the dream factory. Right. right. Um, and, you know, probably of that 5%, I, 
I would say 20% get to do things that you think about. Okay. But there are lots of, there's lots of programming, there's lots of video, there's lots of content online. You know, not everyone gets to do and be in the mainstream, but it doesn't mean those skills aren't valued. For and sure. I find people I haven't talked to in years that are doing corporate production videos. Right. You know, I just opened up a commercial production company. You yourself did. I, I was approached by the by this by the chief operating officer of another large company. Okay, and it just made sense to do this. And I realized as I'm meeting with different directors, I haven't direct I represent a writer's direction after, but a lot of directors. Okay, and everyone wants to be with me because I was look I was a very successful director's agent, and I just realized how many people are still out there that are doing different things. They're not directing the latest film, you know, at the Cineplex. But they're still making a living off it and enjoying a successful off career. It's off the, off it's an advanced skill. skill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's because the process yeah. is fundamentally the same. Well, it's the same skill set. Yeah. It's, you're, you're just applying it differently. Yeah. Um, and, 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 yeah, not everyone, like, not everyone gets to be Steven Spielberg. Very, mm. very, it's only one of those. Mm. In the same way that not every politician gets to be the president or not every businessman gets to be Richard Branson, you know, like and not every businessman gets to be president. Yeah. <laughs> <Very true. laughs> um, so what would your advice be to, I've got three scenarios that I'll present to you. One is the uh, aspiring director that's maybe uh, making short films, which are doing well at festivals, but maybe they're not quite making a living off just being a director. Uh, the other one is a television director that wants to be say a Steven Spielberg. And then the other one is a director who is maybe made one independent feature film. Um, has all of them are maybe I probably have a strong understanding of their voice and their creative expression, but they want to enhance their career, whether that's financially, the level of the content that they're creating, or the audiences that they want to reach. What advice would you be to each of them, and would it be different? Given the different Save a thousand or five thousand dollars. Buy yourself a decent camera. You can always look. Justin Bieber's career is made of the fact that he, that he, uh, you know, his mother, I guess, filmed him at a very young age and put him online. Yeah, your content can get seen. When I started this business, your content couldn't be seen. Even TV director, um, you know, independent film director, or just someone starting out, you're always honing your craft. Mm -hmm. You know, not everyone is a. I think there's a misconception. Like everyone in Hollywood, everyone in the world has a story to tell. Mm. At least one good story. Most people just think that they're, I mean, you see it on Instagram, right? Everyone thinks their life's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone is making content now, just via social media. Everyone's making content. And, yeah. and they're probably, you know, by the number of followers you have, it probably tells you how poignant your content is. I mean, walking to the bus stop, unless you're really funny or really attractive, mm. um, it's probably not going to get, you know, a million views. Mm. But yeah, there are certain people, whether your last name is Kardashian or Paul, you're, you're, you, you can get a million views mm -hmm. and you can influence people. But I would suggest that, you know, comedies, look, the film Arthur, you know, provide, it's not just funny, it, it's, it's a comment on society. So is Once Upon a Time in America, so is Star Wars, so is um, Logan, right? Right, yeah. Um, the reality is that if you're a filmmaker, you're a filmmaker. And, and today you get to just make films. Get a camera, make your films. Don't do a short film. Extend it out to an hour and a half. Okay. And, and you know. Why and, don't do a short film? Well, unless it's a short subject, a short film. Most people use a short film to show that they can direct or to, to, to practice directing. Okay. But it doesn't cost you any less money these days. Right. You might as well shoot a, find a story that you can tell. 
but also surround, understand what you're good and bad at and not so good at. Mm-hmm. And surround yourself and respect those people who are good at, you know, whether it's acting, raising money, uh, producing. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone thinks they can do everything in life with this business. And, you know, the proof is in, you know, the queen does rise and the proof is in, the, you know, lots of cliches. Um, proofs in the pudding. You know, you see people that struggle at 45 years old, but they're still, they, they don't give up the ghost, which I appreciate. I mean, I wish I had that. Okay. But they're also some tenacity to keep going regardless. Yeah, but they're not realistic either. Yeah. You know, or, yeah. or they look at someone else making 300,000 a year and say, I can do better, but they've never made more than 20,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, this business is like every other bit. There are people who do that, you know, in, in middle management. Yep. Um, you know, it, you have to be realistic with yourself. But for on the positive side, write a script, you know, make a movie. If you're an actor, just do plays, do things that hone your craft and look for the opportunity to, and maybe if you're an actor, you could also direct a movie, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. That's yeah. their story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Create your own content. Yeah. Um, it's something that's true to you. So a common thread with your advice is to be realistic, work hard. Um, you said something before about most successful productions or projects have a strong social message or social commentary embedded within the narrative. Um, outside of that, I'm also getting the sense that obviously your God-given intellect is attributable to your success. So how do you think that if you could give advice as an extension of that, how do you think that you could, or creatives could enhance their intellect so that they're more understanding and appreciative of the realities of the business? Because in, in preparing you know, for... Go build a house in Africa. Go, okay. go, go build a house in Atlanta for people who really need it. Right. You know, go, give back. Go find, give back, but find humanity. Yes. Okay. You know, a lot of people lose sight of it. Yeah. Especially in something that generates or can encourage delusions in an industry like this. It's hard to keep your head balanced. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what do you do? Um, philanthropy, well, I'm I grew, guessing? I grew, well, I grew up here. So it's interesting. Okay. Um, having grown up in Los Angeles... I've gotten to see everything from, you know, an early age. So I think I have a lot of balance because I've always had a healthy skepticism or acknowledgement that people come here to change what wasn't working for them elsewhere. Interesting. Um, you know, people have said to me my whole life, oh, you're a native. There aren't a lot of natives here. And my only response is I had a really full kindergarten class. Um, you know, but everyone wants to be from somewhere else because... Most of the time, and most actors, you know, again, good tales, bad tales, come here to change who they might have been in the past. Very few come here because they were, you know, the brightest and the football star and everything else. Most people go into these creative fields because, you know, they were beaten up. They were less thought of. That's just a, it's just the nature of creativity. It's almost a cliche. Yeah. Yeah. Most people, most parents want you to be an accountant, doctor, lawyer mm-hmm. or something. You can earn a living, you know, mm. go to work in the mine and you know, you say, well, but I have a different aspiration. Mm. So you're driven to succeed, but it creates, a, a it creates a, a mentality oftentimes where people also lose humanity in the strive. You know, mm-hmm. it's famous, like, you know, Sammy Glick, you know, um, who, you know, it's a story, but, but just driven to succeed, you know, Citizen Kane. Yeah. The risk, yeah. The risk of pursuing a creative career, I guess, is that it comes with some self-indulgence because it, it, the nature of the career is that it is all about you for the most part. You're, 
driving your own career. Any so. entrepreneur and an ultra yeah. entrepreneur is, is always going to realize it's about them. No one else, no one else helped them, but they don't realize a lot of people help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the very, way. very true. Who do you think helps you? The people that, oh God. or who would you like to thank? Or be I mean, I would, I, I would say like Paul Monash, who, who wrote Carrie the Exorcist uh, and produced the Slaughterhouse, Slaughterhouse Five, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. He, wow. he was a, um, he was both a mentor and a friend. Um, I just think, you know, I was like the older people and interestingly, I've spoken at so many funerals because they're so much older, you know, Norman Brokaw, who was the chairman of William Morris, where I worked for, okay. you know, he was there for chairman, I think for 40 or 50 years. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I could name a lot of people, Jeff Berg, I could name, I'm sure I'm blanking on people, you know, John Feltheimer, who's now the chairman of Lionsgate and um, Jeremy Zimmer, who I was his assistant when he was an agent. He's now the chairman of UTA. You know, you put uh, Nancy Jones, who you know got me to go over from production over to ICM. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many people along the way. JJ Abrams, who you know I helped sell one of those early scripts, and JJ was always a supporter. Were you a his supporter. agent? Or? No, I wasn't his agent. I was okay. the assistant. Of oh Jeremy's wow, assistant. Wow. Okay. But literally, David Lawner, who's a young agent, who I would also credit with my career a lot. Yeah. Um, he walked in with the script and said, you know, he wanted Jeremy to read it. He's never going to read it. Um, so I basically read the script, brought it to Jeremy. This was regarding Henry. And I mean, learning lesson, right, of how it works. And yep. Jeremy never read it. He looked at it. His, his ad, in fact, his attitude to me when I saw what he did was, you know what your problem is? You actually care. And he... I Connected think, to ideas of humanity, what you said before. Well, I think that's a good and thing. And he's an incredible agent and executive, right? Yeah. So I learned a lot from Jeremy because he always pushed the envelope. I was new with I was new where that envelope was. Okay. So and literally he said, Well, who should it, he's on the phone with Scott Rudin or Jeffrey Katzberg, I can't remember oh no, with Brian Grazer. And he's like, It's a great story, you know, it's about a guy who loses his memories. It should be, you know, and he starts naming people. And finally he got to Tom, you know, he got he named like, I don't know, like I don't remember, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, I don't know who he was saying mm. at the time. But finally, he got, I remember he got to Tom Hanks, and I'm like, yes, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it ends up being Harrison Ford. Um, you know, just watching him sell a script, and like his attitude, which I always think about, is you should be able to sell a script in six phone calls. You should be able to get a director a, a job in six phone calls. In terms of this production company, this commercial company I just started, I said to our sales company, she said it could take six months to get going. I said, no, it's the same phone call. I'd like it to be done in four weeks. And to her credit, we were up for 15 commercials this last month in the first month of, right? Wow. So this month, we need to lock a couple. So she, she used one month, which would have taken three months of introduction and figuring out the rhythm of how this works. Mm-hmm. This month, I expect to get a couple of commercials. Mm-hmm. It's the same phone calls. It's just a question of how quickly you make them. Yeah. So in preparation for our chat today, I did hear that you're good at doing that and understanding to, it's not just making the phone calls, it's making the right phone calls. Um, and I guess Thank that you. comes from, I guess that comes from having built strong relationships. Is it also, I'm getting the sense that you just have an acute understanding of who would work well with what project and an understanding of what the project is so you know where everything could fit together quite well. You're quite intuitive. It's intuitive. Yeah. It's intuitive. My business partner um, used to throw comments at me, you know, about, you know, all I did in order to get a, you know, a, a hit series on the air was make a phone call to which I responded, no, I did 15 years and then, or 25, whatever yep. it was. I did 25 years and then I made a phone call. Mm-hmm. That's about, you know, 
again, I think people will say to their agents, well, you didn't do anything. I already knew those people. Really? Then why didn't you work for five years? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I'm, I'm the person that, you know, I, I, you, you get to produce it and I get to write it. Well, I don't say to you, you know, you wouldn't have sold without me. I, there's just a lack of respect that a lot of people... For producers, maybe, you think, and agents? No, I mean, writers, directors, actors. Right. There's so many people, by the way, the majority, 95% of this business is very appreciative. Uh -huh. The other 5%, and it's a rotating 5%, depending where their career is today, <laughs> you know, forget about that appreciation. Sure. I think that the length of my career is based around appreciating other people. And yeah, there's an intuitiveness that's built from experience. You know, uh, Jeremy's comment of it should only take six, six phone calls to sell a script isn't just because he calls, you know, the head of every studio. Mm hmm it's because he knows what they want. You know, he knows for many years what they taste how to build is. a career. He yeah. knows how to sell a script. He knows who's looking for what. He can talk people into things. And you know, my best projects have literally been on a phone call, um, and, and often or at a drink. I mean, literally the the, the all the Oscar winning scripts, the you know movies and. The, the award winning, they, they have been one phone call, mm. but they've been one thoughtful phone call, yep. one fortunate phone That's call. That's the combination of years of work and years of building relationships. Yeah. Sure. But, but that doesn't come on day one. It yep. comes from building experience, relationships, taste, acknowledgement. Experience, taste, acknowledgement. Um, in refining that intuition, would you go back to yourself, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and give some advice for when you maybe made some mistakes and before you had refined this intuition? 100%. Okay. Can you elaborate on that? Believe in yourself. Um, my career is made up, uh, like I've quit my career six times <laughs> because I, I don't like to be in places that I'm uncomfortable. Okay. Um, and for some reason, the business has let me back in every time. But by the same time, I think it's because of consistency, but... Consistency. This, yeah, I mean, you can be consistently a jerk or consistently a good person, but never a pushover. If you're inconsistent, this business will kill you. They because it's 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 again, it's, it's so many different kinds of people. That's I think that's true of any business, really. I mean, I think true. people can get away with being mercurial for a while because other people get afraid of them. Mm. But it's like the the bully on. I mean, when was the last time you saw the bully? you know, on the playground actually mm. end up going somewhere great. Mm. Um, but the advice I give to myself is believe in yourself because I've always had to over, over, I mean, uh, 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 under, what is I under, uh, under promise and over deliver. Okay. Not for anyone else, but for myself. Right. I need to know when I skied for UCLA, I literally went out to on my own a lot because I, was, I, I wasn't really competing against anyone else. I was competing against myself. I didn't want to embarrass myself. Mm -hmm. and my, it's always been right. that. Interesting. yourself. Okay. Are you an only child? No, I have two older brothers, which is why I'm that way. Okay. They beat me up. Right. Okay. <laughs> that, ex that, that explains something. Um, where there's some of our experiences. Um, talking to or turning out to financing, again, in preparing for our chat today, I heard that you're good at mitigating risk. And obviously, we've discussed making the right phone calls. Um, what would be some pieces of advice or information that you could give to either the producer out there listening or the director trying to acquire financing for their film? How do you mitigate risk? And again, I'm guessing it's intuitive. No, it's not. Okay. It's, I mean, people think of it as intuitive, I think, when I it's go put films together. But there's always someone out there willing to overspend on a movie. 
it once you get it going once you once you do the work and get the and you know you get the attention of you know the well-read script always starts with a good script it always starts with a good script yeah good script gets you financing gets you the actor gets you everything along yeah. the way what happens is um, you know you get a good script going there's always someone that, that's willing to take it like to basically steal it from you Okay, and because it's a because it's a business of insecure people, there's always someone, either the writer, the director, whatever, who's who's willing to listen. Okay, so the reason I haven't lost money on movies is because I I do it with with a conscience. I mean, I, I believe the investors should minimum get their money back, but certainly get a return. And this business is really about you know fleecing people, especially people coming with money. I just don't believe in that. I've I've done very few investments in general that haven't made really good return and I'm sure I miss out on a lot of opportunities mm. I was talking to someone this morning about Hamilton and everyone knew that everyone wanted to get into the investing in Hamilton because everyone knew it was a success Okay, and it was really just about telling most people who normally invest in plays no but that's that's the sure thing the real trick is finding the script or the play or the or the screenplay or the TV show that isn't so in, so so good. And what I learned early on when I was working at Warner Brothers, um, like one of my first jobs working for a producer, is I just remember they gave me a script and I couldn't understand the script. I didn't think it was a good film. And then they told me, well, what if it's this person in it? And I was like, oh. Then I get the movie because the cast enhanced the script. Sure. And now it was worth a lot more money to me. But... In terms of mitigation, so what happens really is that, you, and this business is changing a lot. Yeah. I mean, I still use the sales estimate example, but it's really different. If you get the sales estimates, you kind of get the bottom value of the film. Your job is sales estimates from distributors. Sales estimates from sales agents. Okay. Who would are guess are sort of guesstimating what yeah. the distributor will pay. Yeah. And that that your your budget should conform. Mm-hmm. What happens is everyone gets excited because you know you get that major star in the film. Yeah. And then everyone, then the person who was kind of conscientious start, may, may even start to lose control because the director wants an extra million dollars. And movies don't make money. The movie had a basic value because the director will never make a bad movie, right? Mm-hmm. So then the director makes an average movie and no one buys the film. Right. Now, the, now the financier never wants to come back to entertainment and get to film again. And I think mm-hmm. that's a travesty. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've been around for 150 years because someone's making money. Yeah, sure. Um, the reality that it's commerce meets art. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, your movie that you're directing and you just finished a feature. Um, obviously you've got the schedule where you're got your fingers in a bunch of different pies, so to speak, to use a cliche. Um, is that something that you'd want to talk about? Like how you're preparing yourself for directing? Is it your first feature that you yourself are directing? Yes. The, the, it's my first feature, not my first feature I produced, but that I'm directing. Okay. And how did you come across the script and why did you I respond to it? it? Oh wow! I wrote it because <laughs> and this cool. is this is going to counter what I said before, but it's just humorous, so I say it. Sure. So I've done a lot of projects that are largely based on my ideas, and the writer will make you know several hundred thousand dollars to write it, and then it doesn't get made, and then they and then I just remember a couple, well, one particularly telling me, well, that's how it works. Well, then why am I giving that person my yeah. idea to write a script? I can do that version of that myself. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and wrote a couple of scripts that people actually like. Okay. And I, even self-taught, though, just sort of sat down at a computer and just... Well, it's not self-taught. I mean, I've read thousands you, of scripts. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's, I, a, you know, again, some of your while, experience. Yeah, while I was in school, I, I yep. went through the writer's program oh, okay. right on campus. So I knew how to write a script. Okay. I read a lot of scripts. Um, but 
I just don't have the ego to say that I write the best. I even tell people it's not the best script. What's great is people are coming back with the nuances that I don't remember because you know I don't remember that they're in there, and they tell me, I'm like, oh, I did write it very visual. I did write, you know, it, it becomes. I would say it's a natural talent that's been enhanced by experience. Okay. Yeah. Right? Sure. Know? And that's the. And I think most people. And most people have a predisposition towards something, yeah. so that they should yeah. recognize what they're predisposed for. Yeah. Um, I just don't recognize it myself. I, I okay. mean, I only did, literally, the only reason I, I started writing these things is because a couple of writers were so jaded mm. that they're just getting a paycheck. Why would I ever want to work with them again? Exactly. Are you allowed to say what the logline is and when you start shooting, or what the details behind the project are? Well, I think I mean it's basically it's 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 a, it's about it's about a family where the husband's abandoned the the wife. She's fallen through the economic spectrum, and she's now living instead of in you know in a um, you know nice house somewhere. She's lost the house, and she and her two daughters, and you know with the abandoned father, she and her two daughters are living in a tenement a tenement apartment, and she can't even get a job because she's afraid to leave her children. So she doesn't know what to do. She's about to be homeless, and she gets the opportunity to watch a house that's snowed in, and the house has. You know, for four months, so we've isolated her. So one thing that I learned early on is for movies and television, the main character has to be stuck in their job. One of the great examples was, you know, Taxi and Cheers. These mm. people had dreams, mm. but we knew from day one they were never going to—they they were never going to achieve that. Yeah. Our main characters weren't going to achieve it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's stuck in her job, and and she's at wit's end. And when you know things go awry, you know she's. She has a choice to either die, or in the earlier part of the movie, go homeless or fight. And this is a empower a woman who finds her empowerment, um, a person who finds her empowerment. And you know, if she loses it at all, she has these two children. Mm. So the people coming against her have don't know what they're up against. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't do it from fear. She does it out of it's almost like a release of pent up you know, frustration and anger and a need to succeed. What was the genesis of that idea? Like, was that a light bulb moment that you had and the story was mapped out in a J.K. Rowling type story for when she came across Harry Potter? Or was it a, something that was germinating for a while? No, I think, again, it ends up being about empowerment. It ends up being about homelessness. Okay. I was just writing a commercial film. Okay. Uh, what I'm getting back from, you know, people reading it, like real you know, professionals, yep. whether it's act, acting, you know, reading it is you've gotten the nuances of homelessness, like that moment where you become homeless. You've got the nuances of like how a woman thinks. You've got the nuances of, and then there's hard lines of, you know, what the genre is, which is, mm. which is a suspense horror film. Okay. Very um, cool. And I also like mixing genres with points. So it's just, it's kind of, it's not a natural ability. It's a, it's just a natural, um, um, Proclivity, okay, to to put that stuff in there. Sure, yeah, and again, a, a natural talent that you've had and that you've refined over decades in the business, and, and it's what I'm attracted to when I read other people's writing. I'm okay. attracted to this kind of stuff. So I want to go see Talladega Nights or something, or yeah. I want to go see the you know, like I loved Coco. It's my favorite film this year. Obviously, for some reason, it's my favorite <laughs> film this year. Right, because it's an animated film that just tells so much. Okay. Very cool. Um, what's the status of the project? When do you... Casting. Okay. And when do you expect to start shooting and then when would it be released? 
probably start shooting in about six to eight weeks. Okay. Um, Very quick. You know, yeah. Yeah. We're out to an actress right now, and hopefully she likes it. Otherwise, we'll continue to another actress. I want to make it now. Okay. Very exciting. Um, is there anything anything else that you'd like to add to finish off our chat today? Yeah, I think if because I think a lot of people that listen to this are probably talent. Yep. So, like, the idea is to actually map out your career, have a blueprint, because you'll go off, as long as you can go off, you know, the off track. Definitely. As long as you know the next point you need to be to. And that's, even when you look at, when I look back at my career, where it's going, I realize that I've always had a five-year plan. Okay. Very cool. Um, is there anything different in I think, I feel, I need, I want, that we had at the beginning of the conversation? Has any of that changed? Um, when in, this, in right now in this moment right now in this have moment. I thought of anything yeah no but I will say that when you say that I mean I think of Jane Rodriguez who you know her father always said to her you know I can I will yeah that's the name of her production company yeah it's the name yeah. of her production company and and it's because he used to say make her say every morning I can I will nice and when I look at Gina who I completely respect and she's managed to become a huge star and not really have a go to her head mm-hmm. um you know, it wasn't just her father saying, I can't, I will. It's the lessons that, you know, he and, he and her mother and you know, probably other people around her instilled. So, I mean, I think it's really important to sort of keep your balance and realize you're not, spe- everyone's special, but you're not more special than the next person because you get to do this. Mm. Um, and you'll go a lot further. Yeah. But I do realize that. Like, I realize that even you doing these podcasts are part of a larger picture mm-hmm. of being in this business. For sure. Um, thank you by the way thank you Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this chat that was enlightening inspiring motivating and informative Um, and until next time guys thanks Gary thank you